Hi, it's Amy Siskin of The Weekly List and author of the book, The List, and welcome to episode 126 of The Weekly List Podcast. So just an administrative note of where we are as we reach today, which is November 30th, we are now in a section of the list called After. After started fortuitously at the convergence of two events, Biden becoming president-elect, the 46th president incoming, uh, within a half hour of when week 208, which was exactly four years of the list, came to an end. So things worked out perfectly. We were able to record November 7th, uh, Biden's victory, Trump not conceding, and leaving it for this next section, which uh, I had suspected we would slow down a lot in broken norms, and that has certainly come true. Uh, So here on in from November 7th, the end of the last list, to inauguration, which is January 20th, we're going to split the broken norms into three lists. This first one, which is for the month of November, November 7th through 30th, Then we'll do a separate list and podcast for the entire month of December, and then one for January, January 1st through inauguration. Um, A lot of the things that we're going to discuss now could have been foreseen. Anyone who met, read Mary Trump's book knew that it was just not in Trump's vernacular to know how to be a, a loser at anything. He's never had to do that in life. Daddy is always bought his way out or he's sued his way out. He's never had to actually reckon with losing. Uh, So as I started to keep this longer list or this longer time period of list, I wrote Trump has not conceded thinking on November 7th, that was still kind of surprising. But as we finished November 30th and close out this month, Trump has still not conceded. So what happened? We're going to go through the list, but this is unprecedented. Um, Constitutional scholars noted that the founding fathers did not envision a president refusing to concede or so openly mock our democracy and and put their own self-interest ahead of country. So our Constitution did not even deal with something like this happening or provision for it happening. We've had, during this time under Trump, 41 lawsuits in six states that he was trying to, um, battleground states that he was trying to say that he won, having won none of them. Those were three states he won. Four of, actually, these are all states he won last time, uh, except for Nevada. Nevada was somewhat contentious that Hillary did won and, and, and Biden won. But the other five, which he did win, and then Biden won during this month, Uh, Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. Trump said 41 legal challenges out of those 27 were denied, dismissed, settled, or withdrawn. And none of those legal challenges produced any evidence of widespread fraud that Trump and his associates spent the month alleging. Notably, and this is something I don't think gets enough attention, not only has Trump done this, he wouldn't have been able to get away with it if the leadership of the Republican Party had said, hold it, hold it, stop. Biden has 306 electoral votes. 
Biden has beat you by 6.3 million popular votes. This is the second largest win for against an incumbent in our history since the year 1900. So one would think somebody in the Republican Party, other than you know the few that always seem to speak up, like Lisa Murkowski and Mitt Romney, uh, would step up to the plate and say, this election is over and it's time for a peaceful transition. But of course, that did not happen. And it still hasn't happened. And as we you know, started this November 7th list, we ended, again, fortuitously, because of the six states that Trump has been trying all sorts of maneuvers to win illegally, uh, as we finish today. All six of those have been certified for Biden. And yet, still, he has not conceded. As a backdrop, and this is something we talked about in the recent weeks, the coronavirus is raging out of control. We're hitting numbers close to 200,000 cases a day. With no federal leadership or guidance. With people heading off, therefore, on Thanksgiving holidays. So... As Fauci said today, we're probably going to have a surge on top of a surge. We're starting to see the number of deaths go up as hospitals fill up and ICU beds become scarce around the country. And Trump is busy with battling for this election as if it's not over, as if he can just talk his way and bully his way through. And that's what we're going to talk about this month. It's unforeseeable. Anybody with any credibility on the law side has withdrawn from the case. And as we close out the case, and that's the picture accompanying this week, we're left with the dregs of the dregs that are still telling him they can do it, Rudy Giuliani and gang, the the misfits. But as well, blame the Republicans, blame the people that are working for Trump who are going along with this despite the fact that they know he lost. There was a comparison uh, this week to a Mad King George, Trump being a Mad King George, saying, I won, I won, I won, uh, knowing full well he didn't win. But people in his inner circle being unwilling to say to him, sir, you lost and you should concede. And, you know, in terms of our country and our national security and our dealing with this pandemic, which in the EU has started to come under control. They're seeing their daily cases come down. Not here. It's raging around the country. So as we have vaccines, we now have vaccines that we're going to talk about. Uh, getting those two people so the vac- they can get vaccinated. That transition, the transition of national security, all these things that in normal times we take for granted. This is, again, and we, we've worn this... Worn this word out on the welcome mat, unprecedented. This is, it's all just unprecedented. I want to say if you follow me on Twitter, many of you do, or, or on Facebook, um, we talked about this last week, that I, I really felt like Trump, and this is typical in authoritarianism, had cowed people into being so scared that they expected Biden would lose, even though the polls showed overwhelmingly they would not. Um, so I just want to add, put some things in context. Um, first of all, yes, Biden now has over 80 million votes. Trump has 
6.3 million less than that. And people are shocked that Trump has more votes than he did in 2016. But some context, we beat down an authoritarian regime. That usually doesn't happen in such a short period of time. And I think we're going to find, as history records this, that a lot of the people that voted for Trump had just given up and given in. That's what happened in authoritarian regimes always. People just want, want to go along. And I think that's what happened here, folks. We, but we overcame that and how remarkable it is that we turned out over 80 million people, a record by far, to vote this man out. Second point, I, again, if you follow me, I've been a source of comfort for people to, in part, contradict and put some perspective into the gaslighting Trump has been doing to all of us for four years, essentially putting us in an abusive relationship in many ways. We talked about that last week. There's an article about that that I wrote in Medium. The way he played with our minds. Um, that people, even as Biden was winning states and getting to 306 electoral votes, people still didn't believe Trump would leave. They thought he would just steal it. And I have to say there was one period of time when I was actually scared. Not so much that he would steal the election, but the impact it would have that would be so much worse. And that was with Michigan, where he invited two senior Republicans to the White House. They were seen then the next day in photos at the Trump Hotel DC in the lobby, drinking Dom Perignon. Uh, there was all sorts of shenanigans going on in Michigan and Wayne County with board members there, canvassing board members, Tried to get rid of, let's call it what it was, in all of these states. City votes, which Trump and his allies were trying to get rid of black voters' votes. Uh, and it came to Monday, where I, I think many of us at this point could not even stand watching anymore, but I, I actually watched a good portion of it while hiking to try to calm myself, trying to see Michigan canvassing board was two Republicans, two Democrats, whether they would do the right thing and certify their state. And by a count of three to zero with one basically abstaining, they did do that. But it was touch and go. And they could have very well not certified and tried to have Trump steal their electoral votes. And would that have put him over 270? No. But would that have had a lasting impact on an authoritarian type leader trying to bully state electors where the state legislature was run by the same party into compliance and going against the underpinnings of our democracy. That almost happened and that was the one thing that really caused me to lose sleep at night and be really anxious and concerned. But we got through that. <coughs> We're gonna go through the list now. <clears throat> on a positive note, something I haven't tweeted because I don't want this to get a lot of attention. Um, Trump has been so consumed in his effort to steal the election, and he's still, in addition to that, playing golf every weekend, <coughs> paying no attention to his duties as president, including the coronavirus. But he also has accomplished very little. There was a lot of concern early on that he had some organized approach, that he got rid of Defense Secretary Esper. But, you know, this was all retaliatory, second-grade bullshit. He really has not accomplished much, and there's 51 days left until inauguration. 
I'm sure he'll do more bad deeds and pardon more people and try to pardon himself. Uh, but so far in this month, he has not done a lot of additional damage to things on the way out other than what we just talked about in the lead and all the damage he has done to our democracy, which is considerable. And again, with his enablers, Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy and gang. So we're going to go through the list, which is, you know, and one thing I noticed and gave people a certain amount of comfort this month is how things had slowed down so much. The news cycle has slowed and calmed down. We don't have to wake up and worry about these crazy tweets. Um, and the number of not normal items is under 300 for 23 days. Usually we have that many in one week. So things are slowing down, coming down to earth. Uh, his actions and activity have really, you know, his impact, as I talked about, happily, is, is kind of fading away. So uh, this week, instead of having days, we just have the date of each item. November 7th, even as Trump, and that's his first Saturday, had not conceded. And, and there were celebrations, huge celebrations in major cities around the country and in the world. Even as Trump has not conceded, world leaders, including those who had been allies like UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson and Indian PM Modi, publicly congratulated Joe Biden. <coughs> Much of the world saw Biden's victory as toppling a dictator. German Newsweek leader Spiegel reworked its America First, February 2017, excuse me, 2017 cover of Trump severing the Statue of Liberty's head to Biden putting it back on. Also November 7th, after the race was called for Biden, Trump sent a series of tweets falsely claiming he won and airing baseless accusations of election fraud. The tweets were labeled as disputed by Twitter, but not taken down. And that's going to be the pattern throughout this week. The Trump campaign and the RNC filed a lawsuit claiming Maricopa County, Arizona, election workers incorrectly rejected ballots from in-person voters on a large scale. So that was one of a series. Again, there were a total of 41 lawsuits filed. November 8th, other leaders aligned with Trump called to congratulate Biden, including Philippine President Duarte, Israel Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and Saudi Crown Prince MBS. So you can see the world as of November 7th and 8th, that's the first weekend of this list. The world is calling to congratulate Biden. Still no Moscow Mitch, still no Kevin McCarthy. On November 8th, the Republican Philadelphia City Council Commissioner Al Schmidt said his office, which runs the vote count for the city, has received death threats from Trump supporters as Pennsylvania was counting its vote. November 7th, Trump continued to file flimsy lawsuits in Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, Arizona, and Nevada with little success after being unable to present evidence that points to any fraudulent results. November 9th, Georgia GOP Senators Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue both headed for runoffs, called for the resignation of the Republican Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, citing mismanagement and lack of transparency. Ten attorney generals in states with Republican-led legislatures filed an amicus brief with the Supreme Court, backing Trump's legal tribe to challenge the vote in Pennsylvania if those votes were received within three days of the election. 
Also November 9th, a team of international observers invited by the Trump regime, which followed events in several battleground states, including Michigan and Georgia, reported no evidence of any serious irregularities. The 28-member delegation from Organization of American States, however, criticized Trump for making baseless allegations that the outcome resulted from systemic fraud. Fraud. November 9th, the Washington Post reported the White House instructed senior government officials working in federal agencies not to cooperate with the Biden transition team and not to provide the briefing books they had prepared. Emily Murphy, the Trump-appointed administrator of the GSA, declined to sign standard paperwork allowing access to funds and buildings for Biden's transition team. Secretary of Housing and Urban Development Ben Carson on November 9th tested positive for the coronavirus. Carson attended the White House election night event where Chief of Staff Mark Meadows had caught the coronavirus. Also November 9th, this was a Monday, Trump fired Defense Secretary Mark Esper, who had opposed the use of U.S. troops against protesters. The move allowed Trump to take back the headlines after the media had largely been focused on Biden. And this really worried people, him firing the Defense Secretary, that he had such some grand scheme and a competent authoritarian may have. (laughs) But this was Trump being, you know, a two-bit retaliatory coward who didn't like Esper not being totally loyal to him. Uh, Trump appointee John McEntee, who was the director of the Office of Presidential Personnel, told Executive Branch Department to fire political appointees who seek out new jobs prior to Trump leaving office. Axios reported Trump is privately discussing running for president again in 2024. Later, the New York Times reported Trump formed a PAC called Save America, Save America, in hopes of helping his, him retain power over the GOP after he leaves. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell backed Trump not conceding, citing states that will count and the ongoing lawsuits. Only four Republican senators broke ranks to congratulate Biden on winning. And also November 9th, shortly after a meeting with McConnell, Attorney General William Barr authorized the Justice Department to probe, quote, substantial allegations of voter irregularities, although no evidence of fraud existed. So this was also raising alarm bells. What's Barr up to? Shortly after, Richard Pilger, head of the DOJ branch that prosecutes election crimes, resigned in protest. Barr's memo allowed prosecutors to bypass career election crime officials and take investigative steps. Just taking a quick break here to thank all of those who resigned in protest over these four plus years. You are heroes of our democracy. Also November 9th, the Washington Post reported under pressure from Trump, the Pentagon General Counsel named Michael Ellis as the NSA General Counsel. Ellis was the former chief counsel to Devin Nunes and is a staunch ally of Trump. So you can see that Trump is, and as we started off, doing as usual, kicking out anyone who's not loyal to him and installing incompetent loyalists. November 9th, in a court filing, the U.S. Postal Service said thousands of ballots for battleground states continued to arrive to facilities on Monday. 
However, the number in the hundreds would not be enough to decide any race. November 9th, the New York Times reported senior lawyers at Jones Day, the most prominent firm representing Trump and the GOP in legal challenges, worried that advancing arguments without evidence could undermine the integrity of elections. On November 10th, top Pentagon officials resigned after Esper's ouster, including acting undersecretary for policy, James Anderson, undersecretary for intelligence, Joseph Kernan, and Esper's chief of staff, Jen Stewart. They were replaced by Trump loyalists, Anthony Tata, Ezra Cohen-Warnick, who is a aide to Michael Flynn, and Kash Patel, a former aide to Devin Nunes. November 10th, Biden had not started receiving the president's daily brief because Trump refused to recognize him as president-elect. Normally, the winning candidate would get a high-level briefing immediately after the election. November 10th, asked at a news conference if the State Department was cooperating with Biden. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo smiled and said, quote, there will be a smooth transition to a second Trump administration. So the gaslighting was super heavy as we started out this month. November 10th, Biden received calls from heads of states from France, Germany, and Ireland to congratulate him. However, the State Department did not take on its typical role of being a go-between for such incoming calls. Authoritarian leaders like Russian President Vladimir Putin and Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro stayed silent. Turkish President Erdogan, a NATO member, waited until Tuesday to to congratulate Biden. China came Thursday. So, yeah, uh, gradually they all came around. As we finished off this month, it was only Vladimir Putin, Mitch McConnell, and Kevin McCarthy who have not recognized, and and of course, rank-and-file Republicans, have not recognized our 46th president four weeks after the election. Uh, November 10th, the Office and Management of and budget advised agencies to prepare budget proposals, quote, going forward, assuming a win for Trump, despite the election having been called for Biden. November 10th, all eight members of Georgia's 2021 incoming GOP delegation urged state officials in a letter to investigate baseless claims of fraud before certifying election results. November 10th, after saying a Sunday show, on a Sunday show, it was unlikely that Trump's legal fight would work. Senator Roy Blunt, a member of GOP leadership, said Trump did not, quote, lose by a huge number and, quote, may not have been defeated at all. November 10th in Pennsylvania, more than a dozen GOP state lawmakers held a press conference calling for a, quote, legislative-led audit of the 2020 election before election results are certified, citing, quote, a lot of allegations. November 10th in Wisconsin, after the state assembly speaker called on a committee to review results for any irregularities, a GOP lawmaker raised the idea of having its electoral votes go to Trump if any are found. The Washington Post on November 10th reported Pennsylvania postal worker Richard Hopkins admitted he fabricated allegations of ballot tampering in Erie County. The Trump campaign provided an affidavit to Senator Lindsey Graham, who had asked the DOJ and FBI to investigate. 
Project Veritas founder James O'Keefe tweeted that Hopkins was, quote, an American hero before he retracted his story. And a GoFundMe page was created that had raised more than 136000 before he retracted his story and that account was taken down. November 10th, Trump ally, Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick announced he would pay up to $1 million from his campaign account to encourage people to come forward with information that leads to voter fraud convictions or arrests. The New York Times reported it had called top election officials, and this was the front page of the New York Times the next day. So this is November 10th, so the front page the morning of November 11th. The New York Times reported it had called top election officials in all 50 states and found none who pointed to any fraud episodes in the year's presidential election. All 50. November 11th, Trump made his first public appearance in a nearly in nearly a week for a Veterans Day ceremony at Arlington Cemetery, but did not speak. He and his entourage showed up late for an event meant to start at 11.11 a.m. CNN reported the State Department is preventing Biden from access to a dozen income, dozens of incoming messages from foreign leaders in normal process because Trump refuses to recognize him as president-elect. Trump ally Senator Ron Johnson tweeted, quote, my committee has jurisdiction over USPS and the federal workers. I'm asking anyone who knows of irregularities related to mail-in or absentee to share it with me. The New York Times reported lawyers in the public integrity section of the DOJ said Trump appointee Deputy AG Jeffrey Rosen stalled the case relating to former Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke over a land deal. November 11th, Trump endorsed loyalist Ronna McDaniel to stay on as RNC chair in what allies described as part of his plan to announce he is running for president again in 2024 before the end of the year. Longtime GOP strategist Karl Rove wrote a Wall Street Journal op-ed that election results would not be overturned, citing Trump could have would have citing Trump would have to prove systemic fraud to win enough votes of which there is no evidence. Reuters reported donations of 8,000 and less to Trump's official election defense fund in his PAC, which he claimed were going towards legal fees, will instead go to Trump and the RNC. Trump also on November 11th tweeted false claims, saying, quote, no one wants to report that Pennsylvania and Michigan didn't allow our poll watchers and or voter observers to watch and observe Lying, quote, I easily win both states. November 11th, NBC News reported a wide array of, array of false claims and conspiracy theories about a rigged election being shared by Trump supporters since the morning after the election are also now being shared on social media and in right-wing media. So part of the country is just being inculcated into this being an unfair election and false, even after the New York Times says no state has reported any widespread fraud. Uh, yeah, after we're about to hear that the head of CESA said there was no widespread fraud and this was a smooth election. But Trump is continuing to spread these conspiracy theories in the ecosystems that are friendly to him. Uh, November 11th, a Minnesota Trump supporter who's 50, Mark 
Alsicker was charged after he attacked an older couple for displaying a political sign, including swinging a golf club at them and punching the man in the head. Also that day, the Washington Post reported while Trump tweeted, we will win in capital letters. Aides say that Trump has no end game to win the election. In some conversations, Trump acknowledged Biden has won and said he planned to run in 2024. November 11th, Snell and Wilner, the largest law firm representing Trump and his allies in Arizona election results, withdrew. Biden was declared the winner by remaining networks the next day. On November 12th, Porter Wright, the law firm leading the Trump campaign's efforts to challenge election results in Pennsylvania, withdrew from a federal lawsuit it had filed on behalf of the campaign. November 12th, the Washington Post reported the QAnon conspiracy theory faced a crisis with Trump's defeat and out of a week-long silence of their anonymous prophet. Supporters of the baseless movement questions if they had been conned. November 12th, Trump advisor Corey Lewandowski tested positive. He attended Trump's election night party, which was the third White House cluster, Meadows, Carson, David Bosey, who is helping Trump on the legal front, even though he's not a lawyer, uh, and several others tested positive. November 12th on Fox and Friends, Kaylee McEnany refused to answer when Biden would start getting his daily briefing, saying, quote, that would be a question more for the White House, raising questions of her role and hatch violations. November 12th, the U.S. Immigration and Custom Enforcement's Twitter account was briefly removed from the social network. IC later gave a vague explanation of a technical glitch as the cause. November 12th, AP reported Trump was busy stewing over his election loss while silent on the coronavirus, which reached record levels of 150,000 plus cases per day. He also tried to take credit for the vaccine in tweets. Also, November 12th, Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito delivered an unusually politically charged address to the Federalist Society, saying freedom of religion is under threat from abortion, gay marriages, and pandemic restrictions. Trump sent more, uh, on November 12th, Trump sent more than 50, mostly false, tweets related to the election. Several were labeled by Twitter, including one that lied in capital letters, Dominion deleted 2.7 million Trump votes nationwide. Shortly after, the DHS said in a statement, quote, the November 3rd election was the most secure in American history. And quote, there is no evidence that any voting system deleted or lost votes, changed votes, or was anyway compromised. Reuters reported Christopher Ebbs, Krebs rather, the top cybersecurity official at DHS's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, said he's, a, he's expecting to be fired for saying that this was the most secure election in American history. Uh, Brian Ware, who is the assistant director at CISA, resigned. On November 13th, Trump tweeted, quote, Dems have been preaching how unsafe and rigged our elections have been. Now they are saying what a wonderful job after what they did, adding, quote, rigged election. Twitter labeled the tweet. 
CNN reported there was a renewed push by Trump regime to get Chad Wolf confirmed as DHS secretary before inauguration amid questions of legitimacy. This week, two DHS officials were forced to resign. November 13th, Trump told conservative Washington Examiner that that Trump had baselessly, baselessly argued that he was still competitive in swing states, lying that he was, quote, going to win Wisconsin and saying, quote, never bet against me. November 13th, White House Trade Advisor Peter Navarro told Fox Business the White House was operating under, quote, the assumption there will be a second Trump term. Biden at this point had 290 electoral votes to Trump's 217. But again, this was the gaslighting. In the Rose Garden for his first public appearance since Biden was called the winner on November 7th, and since he won 306 electoral votes, a somber Trump refused to concede. For the first time, he seemed to acknowledge Biden's win, saying, quote, this administration will not be going into lockdown. Hopefully what happens in the future, who knows which administration it will be. Trump also said the COVID vaccine would not be delivered to New York right away, citing his personal grievances with Governor Andrew Cuomo. Trump left the Rose Garden briefing without any taking any questions from the press. November 13th, 16 assistant U.S. attorneys, specially assigned to monitor wrongdoing in the 2020 election, urged Barr in a letter to rescind his memo saying there was no evidence of substantial election irregularities. The letter also said of Barr's memo, quote, the policy change was not based in fact. November 13, CNN reported nine lawsuits filed by the Trump campaign or allies in Pennsylvania, Arizona, and Michigan were denied or withdrawn. November 13, the Washington Post reported the Supreme Court has been idle on election disputes since Alito's November 6th direction on Pennsylvania, taking no action on requests from the Trump campaign, perhaps letting the clock run out. November 13th, Fox anchor Lou Dobbs said a Trump second term is, quote, rightfully his, baselessly claiming accurate election results are, quote, being denied to him and, quote, we're not going to accept the results of this election. November 13th, Fox News host Tucker Carlson apologized on air for making false accusations that dead people had voted in Georgia after local reporting found some dead, such, <laughs> such a past, supposedly dead voters and spoke to them about their vote. November 13th, the New York Times reported Trump put Rudy Giuliani in charge of his campaign lawsuits related Uh, Trump advisors described the move as counterproductive and said Giuliani gave Trump unrealistic optimism. We talked earlier about all the law firms that were bowing out, so we went to the lowest rung, Rudy Giuliani. Also November 13th, the Washington Post reported more than 130 Secret Service officers who protect the White House and Trump when he travels have been infected or are quarantining, partly linked to Trump's recent campaign rallies. November 13th, the Carter Center, Jimmy Carter Center, will monitor the hand recount in Georgia, its first time doing so in the United States, to, quote, help bolster transparency and confidence in election results after Trump worked to discredit it.
That's the first time they had to do that in the United States. November 14th, that's a Saturday morning, one week in. Trump tweeted false claims on the Georgia recount, which were labeled by Twitter, uh, which were labeled by Twitter, calling it a, quote, waste of time. He asked for this recount. Well, this first recount is something he wanted, but he called it a waste of time, saying it should be called off, adding, quote, don't let the radical left steal the election. At the MAGA march, as it was called, Trump supporters that Saturday, including members of far-right groups like the Proud Boys, rallied in D.C. in support of Trump, falsely claiming he had won the election. Violence erupted after nightfall. Kaylee McKennedy tweeted, quote, more than one million marchers for Trump. The estimate with most media was in the thousands. Trump drove by to wave at supporters on his way to golf in Virginia. November 14th in Michigan, where Biden led by 148,000 votes, Trump supporters rallied at the state capitol in Lansing, urging the state legislatures to select Michigan electors committed to Trump, so override what the state had voted for. November 14th, AP reported state GOP lawmakers in Arizona, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin said they would not participate in a legally dubious scheme to flip their state electors to Trump. November 14th, a federal judge in New York said acting DHS Wolf was unlawfully appointed and therefore invalidated the Trump regime's suspension of DACA. November 14th, the Washington Post reported Trump was furious about the Pfizer vaccine, believing Pfizer and the FDA had withheld the announcement to prevent him from having a pre-election boost, rather than him touting it as an achievement. Trump disengaged from the pandemic since the election and since has been solely focused on fighting the results. He had not attended a White House coronavirus task force briefing in five months. November 15th, a Sunday, before heading to golf at his club in Virginia, Trump tweeted, quote, he won, seeming to acknowledge Biden's victory, adding, quote, the election was rigged. No one, no vote watchers or observers allowed and also other lies. Asked on Fox News if Trump's tweet meant he had conceded when he said he won. Giuliani said, no, 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 far from it, adding, quote, I guess you would call it sarcastic. Giuliani also baselessly claimed, quote, we have proof that I can't disclose yet, adding, quote, this has to be examined beyond this election that I believe will be overturned. Shortly after, as the media took his tweet as a concession, Trump tweeted in capital letters, rigged election, we will win, adding, quote, he only won in the eyes of the fake news media. I concede nothing in capital letters. Twitter labeled the tweets. Also November 15th on that Sunday, anchor Chuck Todd said amid Trump being unwilling to concede a growing COVID crisis, every single Republican senator who was invited to appear on Meet the Press, and none of them would show up. November 15th on 60 Minutes, former President Barack Obama was critical of the GOP for going along with Trump, saying, quote, it is one, uh, one more step in delegitimizing not just the incoming Biden administration, but democracy generally. And it's a dangerous path.
November 15th in Pennsylvania, Trump lawyers withdrew allegations against poll workers, a major part of its legal challenge, leaving so little they told the judge there was no need for an argument session on Tuesday. November 15th, the U.S. passed 11 million coronavirus infections. It took just six days to go from 10 to 11 million. More than 246,000 had died, and at least 45 states reported infections higher than the previous week. November 15th, Dr. Scott Atlas tweeted for Michigan to, quote, rise up, adding, quote, you get what you accept, and then hashtag freedom matters and hashtag step up, after Governor Gretchen Whitmer was one of several governors to tighten restrictions. November 15th, shortly before midnight, Trump falsely claimed in capital letters tweeting, I won the election. Trump also tweeted a series of false claims about the Georgia recount. All of the tweets were labeled by Twitter. November 16th, after a second COVID vaccine showed promising results, Fauci told the Today Show he was concerned that Trump had not greenlighted the formal transition, which would be a key part to quick distribution. Biden warned, quote, more people may die of COVID because of Trump's refusal to allow a transition, especially as related to ensuring the distribution of vaccines. The Washington Post editorial board wrote Atlas's rapple rousing will lead to illness and death and said, quote, he ought to be fired immediately. November 16th, the day after Ohio GOP Governor Mike DeWine said Trump should begin transitioning to Biden, Trump attacked him, tweeting, quote, who will be running for governor in the great state of Ohio will be hotly contested. November 16th, Rassenberger posted a series of fact-checking posts on Facebook to correct Trump's spree of misinformation about Georgia and called Doug Collins, who was tasked with overseeing the recount for Trump, a, quote, liar. November 16th, the Trump campaign and its supporters had filed at least 18 election-related lawsuits in battleground states and lost all but one. Judges appeared increasingly frustrated with dubious legal claims. November 16th, Trump supporters dropped lawsuits in Georgia, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania federal courts that were meant to block Biden's win before the Electoral College formalized it. November 16th, ABC News reported GSA official Emily Murphy is quietly looking for a new job, a move that appears to be a tacit acknowledgement of Biden's win, despite her continued refusal to not to sign off on his transition. November 16th, the FBI annual report found that there were 51 hate crimes in 2019, killing, hate crime killings in 2019, the highest number since the FBI began tabulating figures in the early 1990s. The 2019 data showed hate crimes rose 2.7% to 7314, the highest level since 2008, with a 14% rise in anti-Semitic hate. November 16th, the Pentagon said Trump would have cut in half the number of U.S. troops remaining in Afghanistan and cut troops in Iraq by mid-January, alarming U.S. allies and Republicans. McConnell called the move a mistake. The New York Times reported Trump has asked senior advisors for options for attacking Iran's main nuclear site in the coming weeks, 
after international inspectors found a significant increase in Iran's nuclear stockpile. November 16th, all three attorneys representing the Trump campaign in its federal lawsuit in Pennsylvania, Linda Kearns, John Scott, and Douglas Brian Hughes, filed a motion to withdraw from the case Monday evening. November 16th, George's Raffensperger told The Post he has come under pressure from Republicans to find ways to exclude ballots in Georgia, including Lindsey Graham, who called him questioning the validity of legally cast absentee ballots. Raffensperger said in a call last Friday, Senator Lindsey Graham echoed Trump's unfounded claims about voting irregularities. The atmosphere is so contentious amid the recount, Raffensperger said he and his wife received death threats. Asked if Rassenberger's characterization that he told him to toss legal ballots, Graham called it, quote, ridiculous, although Trump tweeted the same day on the topic, and a legal challenge was filed on signature matching. Rassenberger told the Wall Street Journal Graham called him, in fact, twice on Friday. He called back with the idea of invalidating absentee ballots from counties with higher signature, higher rates of signature errors. Raffensperger also said he had staffers on the call with him. So then, the next day, Graham changed his story. He defended himself, saying, quote, Yeah, I talked to Arizona. I talked to Nevada. As a United States senator who's worried about integrity of the election process, notably the three states that Graham claimed that he called were close and all went for Biden. Pressed after the secretaries of state said they had, in fact, not spoken to Graham, Graham said he spoke to Arizona Governor Doug Ducey and, quote, I can't remember who I talked to in Nevada. November 17th, conservative Wall Street Journal editorial board debunked Trump's conspiracy theory about Dominion voting systems, voting machines, noting if there were any evidence that this was true, George's hand recount would find it. November 17th asked at a news conference what the GOP will look like after Trump. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy said, quote, you're assuming President Trump is moving on. This is the minority leader in the House. This is November 17th, 10 days after the race has been called. Also November 17th, DHS announced in a memo that it had temporarily put FEMA Chief Peter Graynor in charge of the department so he could reissue the order of succession making Chad Wolf eligible for acting secretary job. November 17th, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court threw out the Trump campaign's complaint over election observers, argued by Giuliani by a 5-2 vote, undercutting their case to contest results. Biden led at this point by 73,000 votes in Pennsylvania. November 17th, the Wayne County Board of Canvases were deadlocked on certifying election results, with two Republicans claiming absentee ballot poll books did not match, although this happened, too, in August. Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson said it was common for votes to be out of balance with large turnout. The documentation would go to her office and Board of State canvassers next to complete to certify the results. Trump praised the unprecedented move in a series of tweets, saying, quote, having courage is a beautiful thing. The USA stands proud and lying that, quote, Detroit has tremendous problems in a move to exclude black votes. McKennedy, in her apparent role at this point as 
member of the Trump campaign, appeared on Fox News Hannity that night, holding up what she claimed were 234 pages of sworn affidavits raising allegations of fraud in Wayne County. That's, again, Detroit and largely a high proportion of Black American voters. Shortly after facing widespread public condemnation, the GOP officials in Wayne County agreed to certify the results, but compromised in agreeing to direct Benson to do a comprehensive audit of -of out-of-balance precincts. November 17th, Trump fired Krebs, the head of election cybersecurity, in a tweet after Krebs publicly debunked conspiracy theories and said the election was safe. Trump falsely claimed the DHA statement was, quote, highly inaccurate. November 17th, the New York Times reported since election night, Trump has sent over 300 tweets containing falsehoods and misleading claims, attacking the integrity of the election. 300. November 18th, on Fox and Friends, in her role this time as White House Press Secretary, McKennedy described state guidance for Thanksgiving as Orwellian, saying the American people know how to protect their health. The U.S. had surpassed 250,000 coronavirus deaths, with the morbidity rate surging. More than 3 million in the U.S. were estimated to be contagious. November 18th, Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar said he and his staffers would not work with or brief Biden's transition team on the coronavirus until the GSA makes a determination that Biden is the president-elect. November 18th, in a Pentagon shakeup, Acting Defense Secretary Chris Miller announced that, for the first time ever, Special Operations civilian leaders will now report directly to the Secretary of Defense. November 18th, Trump drew criticism from Jewish groups for appointing Darren Beatty to a three-year term in the Preservation of American Heritage Abroad Commission. Beatty was fired in Week 93 for ties to white nationalists. November 18th, a Reuters Ipsos poll found 73% believe Biden won the election, 5% believe Trump won. When asked whether Biden, quote, rightfully won, 52% of Republicans said Trump would have won the election, but it was rigged. A Monmouth poll found 60% believe Biden won the election fairly. 32% said he won by voter fraud, including 77% of Trump supporters believe Biden won by voter fraud. Also, 54% said there was enough information, there was enough information to know who won, but 44%, this is now November 18th, said there was not enough information to know who won. Two weeks after the election. The Trump campaign wired $3 million to Wisconsin ahead of the deadline for a partial recount on November 18th, although the canvassing showed the election count to be accurate seeking to delay Biden's victory. The Washington Post reported Giuliani's strategy, backed by Trump, was to push GOP officials to stall vote certification, hoping to have GOP lawmakers pick electors and disrupt the Electoral College when it convenes in December. So this has never happened before. It's unthinkable. It's something articles conjectured on ahead of the election, but here they are actually trying it. Giuliani's plan was against the law, In Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, uh, in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin had no role in legislature in choosing electors, and no other states had signed on, but Trump hoped to sow doubt about Biden's victory ahead of a 2024 run. 
November 11th later, Monica Palmer, a Wayne County canvassing board official, said she wanted to rescind her decision to certify the results in Wayne County. She told the Post that Trump had called her Tuesday. Palmer said the call was, quote, not pressure. It was genuine concern for my safety. William Hartsman, the other Republican on the board, also signed an affidavit looking to rescind. Democrats said it was too late to rescind. So this is why some of us, me included, were getting really worried about Michigan. Again, not that it would turn the election, but it would set such a dangerous precedent. November 19th, the Trump campaign dropped a lawsuit which had sought to stop certification of ballots in Wayne County, falsely claiming that the canvassing board, quote, met and declined to certify the results. November 19th, Trump invited Michigan GOP leaders Mike Shirky and State Senator Majority Leader, excuse me, the GOP leaders Mike Chertsky, who was the State Senate Majority Leader, and Lee Chatfield, the Speaker of the Michigan House, to the White House. Friday as part of his plot to subvert the election. This was all happening in the light of day. AP reported there is no precedent for for Trump's plan to delay or undermine certification. Trump and his team continued to sow chaos and perpetuated false claims and conspiracy theories about the count. Nevada and Wisconsin completed the initial steps of certification results, certifying results, as did Michigan, save for Wayne County. Georgia, Arizona, and Pennsylvania had not concluded local certifications. Recounts and court challenges must be completed and election results must be certified by December 8th, ahead of Electoral College meeting on December 14th. Aides called the disorganized approach a fever dream by Trump. November 19th, NBC News reported Trump is preparing to fight until the end of December even as advisors are counseling him to consider post-presidency and using the word conclusion rather than concession. Meadows is among those trying to focus Trump on post-January 20th, while Giuliani continued to press for legal fights. Republican senators were expected to stay quiet until the Electoral College votes. November 19th, the Wall Street Journal reported there is no precedent for Trump's refusal to concede. Trump put Giuliani in charge last week after a tense Oval Office meeting because he was the only one who told Trump he could win. While Trump focused on the legal fight, he effectively stopped doing the job of president as his schedule was empty almost every day post-election, and he spent little time planning the agenda for his final 62 days. November 19th, Giuliani held news conferences at the Republican National Committee headquarters with campaign attorneys Jenna Ellis and Sidney Powell and others, and that's the picture that accompanies this week, claiming, excuse me, this month, uh, claiming widespread fraud without producing any evidence. They claimed there was a centralized conspiracy starting in Venezuela to rig the U.S. presidential election and baselessly cited voter fraud in cities like Atlanta, Detroit, and Philadelphia that Democrats run and won. And those are obviously largely, uh, those are areas where there's a large black vote as well. Sidney Powell also claimed there was an influx of money from Cuba and China. George Soros, throw the Jews in there too for good measure. The Clinton Foundation and Antifa. 
Uh, Fox News and other conservative media outlets carried the entire news conference. Uh, <laughs> recently fired um, director Krebs tweeted, quote, that press conference was the most dangerous one hour, 45 minutes of television in American history and possibly the craziest. Presidential historian Michael Beschloff said, quote, we have never seen anything like this before. This is a president abusing his very great powers to try to stay in office. This is the prospect that terrifies that terrified most of our founders. Later, when Fox News host Tucker Carlson pushed back on Powell's assertions with evidence that, quote, millions of voters stolen in a day, Democrats, democracy destroyed, he faced a prompt backlash from Trump allies for his betrayal. Later, November 19th, Fauci told the New York Times in an interview, quote, I was stunned by the fact that in certain areas of the country, even though the devastation of the outbreak is clear, some people are still saying the coronavirus is fake news. Also that day, the CDC urged Americans not to travel for Thanksgiving and to cancel plans to be with relatives outside their households, citing the exponential increase in COVID-19 cases, hospitals, and deaths. And again, this is all going on. Trump is not focused on it at all. There's zero federal response. November 19th, the White House Coronavirus Task Force held its first briefing since July 14th. Uh, that was the only briefing they did, but they held one. Fauci urged vigilance ahead of the vaccine. Pence obscured that Trump does not support a national lockdown. Trump did not attend. November 19th, a new filing related to the plot against Governor Whitmer revealed a plan B to take over the Michigan Capitol building by 200 combatants who would stage a week-long series of televised executions of public officials. Um, that's, again... Just want to remind you, a week earlier, Scott Atlas had tweeted and told people in Michigan to rise up against Whitmer. And that's what we're learning was part of this plot. That's how dangerous it is. November 19th, as Georgia was about to announce its hand count results, a Trump lawsuit claimed the results were, quote, suspect and tainted with impropriety. The judge, a Trump appointee, declined to block vote certification. So just to Quick note on logistics. Uh, Biden won Georgia uh, because the win was within 0.5%. An automatic recount was triggered by hand, which they did do. Now they're about to announce the results. We're going to talk later about a subsequent recount uh, asked for by Trump. But this was just something that's automatically triggered. Uh, November 19th, CNN reported a Trump ally who said he knows, a Trump ally said Trump knows he has lost, but is delaying the transition and sowing doubt for the election to retaliate against Democrats for questioning the legitimacy of his win in 2016. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin announced he would allow the Federal Reserve's emergency lending programs using the CARES Act to expire on December 31st, as unemployment started to tick up again. By asking the Fed to return the funds, Mnuchin could hamper Biden's incoming secretary. In an unusual public statement, the Fed pushed back, saying it would have preferred to have, quote, the full suite of emergency facilities. So again, all these ways are trying to sabotage Biden coming in, which again, the Republicans seem cool about as well. 
November 19th, the New York Times reported two New York State fraud investigations into Trump and his businesses, one criminal and one civil, have expanded to include tax write-offs for consulting fees, some of which went to Ivanka. That awaits Trump on the other side, and those are not pardonable. November 19th, Census Bureau officials said they will not conclude the count before January 20th, blocking Trump's goal of stripping unauthorized immigrants from population totals for congressional apportionment. November 20th, New York Times front page, quote, Trump targets Michigan in his ploy to subvert the election. The Washington Post front page, quote, Trump wages full assault to overturn election. November 20th, a pre-election analysis by Election Integrity Partnership found that one-fifth of all election misinformation came from 20 Twitter accounts, including Trump and his allies. Most continued post-election. November 20th, in her first press briefing since October 1st, McKennedy refused to acknowledge Biden's win, referring to him as the, quote, former vice president and claiming Trump, quote, wanted every legal vote to be counted. November 20th, ahead of Georgia certifying the state for Biden, which was pushed off until 5 p.m., Trump lied, tweeting that the governor and secretary of state claiming, quote, illegal ballots. That way he took his, quote, that's the way Biden took his, quote, big victory. November 20th, a news conference on drug prices. Trump lied, saying pharmaceutical companies supported Biden. But, quote, I won, by the way, but you know we'll find that out. Trump added, quote, you wouldn't have a vaccine if it weren't for me for another four years and falsely accused Pfizer of delaying the announcement until after the election. He left again without taking any questions. So he hasn't taken any questions at this point uh, since the election. It's November 20th. Also November 20th, an affidavit filed by Trump's legal team in an attempt to prove voter fraud in Michigan used data taken from counties in Minnesota the latest in a series of embarrassing missteps. Also, Giuliani and Rudy and other members of Trump's legal team did not attend the meeting with two Michigan lawmakers at the White House after Andrew Giuliani, who was at the news conference with them at the uh, RNC, tested positive. Later, George's Refsenberger officially certified Biden's victory hours after a staffer mistakenly sent out a statement saying the process had been completed, but then having to withdraw it, which had also raised concerns. So it's just, a, you know, we're living on pins and needles here, folks. At this point, Michigan hadn't been certified. Georgia was still in the midst of its recount. Governor Kemp later certified the state slate, but did not endorse the results, saying the law required him to, quote, formalize the certification, but that the Trump campaign could pursue other legal options and a separate recount. November 20th, law firm Kirkland & Ellis filed in Pennsylvania federal court asking to withdraw from representing the Trump campaign. November 20th, Representative Democratic Representative Bill Parscale Jr. filed complaints with state boards against Giuliani in five states, Arizona, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania and Giuliani's home state of New York, seeking his disbarment. November 20th, in an extraordinary attempt to block Biden's victory, 
Trump summoned the Michigan Senate Majority Leader and House Speaker to the White House. Biden had won the state by 154,000. Trump reported, Washington Post reported, Michigan AG Dana Nessel, a Democrat, was exploring whether state and local officials who bent to Trump's wishes to block certification of Biden were committing crimes. The NAACP Legal Defense Fund filed a lawsuit against Trump on behalf of black Michigan voters, saying he is, quote, openly seeking to disenfranchise black voters, citing baseless claims on election fraud. November 20th, AP reached out, and almost none of the top Republican leaders in the House or Senate responded if they believe that the states have any reason not to certify election results, except for number three in the House, Liz Cheney, who did speak out about that. November 20th, Barr ordered the Federal Bureau of Prisons to schedule the execution of three inmates before Biden's inauguration. November 20th, Twitter announced it would hand the POTUS account to Biden on January 20th, even if Trump did not concede. Same for other associated accounts, including White House, VP, and FLOTUS. November 20th, Maricopa County Superior Court judge tossed out the last of the legal challenges by Trump's team in Arizona. November 20th, Bloomberg reported Donald Jr. tested positive for coronavirus. At least four White House staffers also tested positive, the fourth cluster in the White House, which had at least 45 cases in recent months. November 20th, Texas Tribune reported as cases continued to soar in the region, El Paso resorted to using county jail inmates to move bodies. The Texas Army National Guard will be sending a 36-person team to help them shortly. November 21st, the U.S. surpassed 12 million coronavirus cases after recording a record of more than 198,500 cases on Friday, nearly 200,000 in a day, heading into Thanksgiving holiday week. More than 250,000, 254,000 had died. November 24th, 21st at his last G20 summit. Uh, this is now this is on a Saturday. Trump made a brief virtual appearance, then left to tweet false claims about voter fraud and golf at his Virginia course, skipping the rest of the event devoted to the pandemic. The Guardian reported Trump told world leaders he looked forward to working with them for quote a long time, even though almost all had already congratulated Biden and made no commitment to share U.S. vaccines. November 21st, in a letter to RNC Chair McDaniel and Michigan Republican Chair Laura Cox, a letter from them, they urged the Board of State Canvassers in Michigan to pause certification of results for 14 days to allow a full audit and investigations. November 21st, photos surfaced of Michigan House Speaker Lee Chatfield and State Representative Jim Lilly sipping Dom Perignon and sitting without masks in the lobby bar of the Trump Hotel, D.C. November 21st, ahead of Pennsylvania's certification on Monday, a group of GOP lawmakers filed an emergency petition seeking to block it by asking the court to strike down mail ballot policies passed by the GOP lawmakers. Yeah, any so again, I just have to say that again. This is something GOP lawmakers filed a lawsuit asking the court to strike down the mail-in ballot 
policy that they had enacted. November 21st, in a 37-page scathing rebuke, a federal judge in Pennsylvania dismissed Trump's election lawsuit, describing it as, quote, Frankenstein's monster that contained, quote, strained legal arguments without merit. AP reported in Wisconsin a steady stream of unwanted GOP observers' complaints, observer complaints and rule-breaking, was interrupting and putting the recounts that Trump paid for in Milwaukee and Dane counties behind schedule. November 21st, the Trump campaign requested a recount in Georgia. Trump called the first recount, formerly an audit, a, quote, joke, lying that, quote, thousands of fraudulent votes have been found. Twitter labeled the tweet. Shortly after, Sidney Powell told Newsmax, quote, Georgia is probably going to be the first state I'm going to blow up, baselessly claiming that Kemp and Raffsenberger were paid in a conspiracy using Dominion voting machines. November 21st, in an op-ed quoting historians, noted for founding, noting, noted the founding fathers did not envisage envisage a president refusing to step down or put their personal interests ahead of the country. So the Constitution provides no roadmap. November 22nd, this is Sunday, Trump addressed the G20 meeting on climate change, saying, quote, the Paris Accord was not designed to save the environment. It was designed to kill the American economy. He then left to play golf. November 22nd, Michigan House Speaker Chatfield referenced a, quote, constitutional crisis on Fox Business News if the state's canvassing board voted 2-2 along party lines. This is after he visited the White House on Friday. November 22nd in Pennsylvania, the Trump campaign filed a notice to appeal Saturday's decision uh, to the Third U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals the day before the state's 67 counties were set to certify their results. That judge had ruled the with without with prejudice, meaning that their only place they could appeal to was the Third Circuit. Notably, with this case and others, the accusations made by Giuliani and other Trump lawmakers at news conferences did not match what was filed in court cases. Not a single court found merits in their core legal claims. Of the 34 legal challenges filed in Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin as of November 22nd, Trump's legal team prevailed in just one. The other cases were withdrawn, rejected, or dismissed. November 2nd, 22nd, Trump ally Chris Christie told this week that Trump should end his legal fight over the election, calling his legal team a, quote, national embarrassment and saying evidence of fraud, quote, has not been presented. Later Sunday, Giuliani announced Powell was no longer part of Trump's legal team, saying in a statement she, quote, is practicing law on her own and is, quote, not a lawyer for the president in his personal capacity. The Washington Post reported in the 19 days since the election, Trump has had no events on his schedule for 12 of those days. He appeared at public events four times, played golf six times, and took no questions from the press since the election. Also since the election, Trump has spoke 8,143 words over 18 days after averaging more than that each day in 2020, averaging about 8,400 words per day. Trump also averaged 48 minutes on cameras in 2020, 
but has been on for just per day in 2020, but has been on just 50 minutes since November 3rd. So basically, they were noting that Trump is hiding. CNN reported that acting Defense Secretary Miller also refused to answer questions about pulling troops. Pompeo took no questions on his 10-day trip abroad, and Pence took no questions at the coronavirus briefing. November 22nd, the New York Times reported Trump is working to retain control of the RNC by installing McDaniel as chair, raising fears within the GOP that Trump will use the RNC, which traditionally is neutral, as a vessel for a 2024 run. November 23rd, NBC News reported Trump is threatening to veto legislation to fund the military unless a provision to rename military bases honoring Confederates which had broad bipartisan support, is removed. November 23rd, a group of more than 100 GOP national security experts called on Republican leaders to demand that Trump concede and begin the transition, citing, quote, significant risks to our global security in the midst of a pandemic. November 23rd, Ohio Governor DeWine faced growing criticism from Republicans, including a series of bills from state lawmakers that would limit his power in the pandemic, after saying that Trump should recognize Biden had won. November 23rd, the Michigan Board of State Canvassers, which had two Republicans and two Democrats, certified the state's results 3-0 with one vote abstention. Allies of Trump urged the vote to delay, the board to delay by two weeks. GSA Chief Murphy later that day refused to refuse House Committee Chairs uh, to attend their briefing for on Biden's transition, saying rather her deputy administrator, Alex Brigati, will host a 30-minute briefing on Monday, November 30th, which was a week away. Shortly after, Murphy approved transition funds to Biden in a personal letter, declaring him the winner 16 days after the race had been called. She said she, her family, staff, and pets had received threats. In the letter, she lamented the vagueness of the Presidential Transition Act of 1963, saying, quote, the statute provides no procedures or standards for this process, adding, quote, I strongly urge Congress to consider amendments to the act. Shortly after Trump refused to concede, tweeting, quote, our case strongly continues. We will keep up the good fight, and I believe we will prevail, but claimed he was behind Murphy's move to release funds. Trump added, quote, nevertheless, in the best interest of the country, I am recommending that Emily and her team do what needs to be done with regard to initial protocols and have told my team to do the same. CNN reported some White House staffers were caught off guard by the letter. Meadows wrote in an evening email, quote, unless specifically authorized, EOP personnel are not permitted to speak directly with Biden's team. NBC News reported that while the publicly praising his legal team, Behind the scenes, Trump was concerned his legal team led by Giuliani was compromised of, quote, fools that are making him look bad. While refusing to concede, Trump continued to fundraise. The legal fine print in his Save America PAC had relaxed rules for how funds could be spent, including not restricting using funds for personal expenses. Fox News host Laura Ingram became the first host to say Biden would be president, despite baselessly claiming, quote, serious questions about the election and urged her viewers to accept reality that Trump lost. 
Also on the 23rd, General Motors CEO Mary Barra sent in a letter that the company would no longer side with the Trump regime in its defense against a lawsuit over its efforts against California's pollution standards. So you can see how the companies, a company bullied by Trump on Twitter, um, now stepping away, knowing that he's in his final days. November 24th, Pennsylvania certified the results of the election for Biden. Shortly after, Nevada Supreme Court did the same for that state. Former GOP uh, House Speaker Paul Ryan called on Trump to stop the fruitless legal challenges, saying they will, quote, only serve to undermine our faith in our system of government, our faith in our democracy. November 24th, Bloomberg reported Muchin put $455 billion in unspent CARES Act funding into the agency's general fund, meaning his presumed successor, Janet Yellen, will need authorization from Congress to use it. Just like a, a shit act, like this is in the middle of the pandemic. Just children. November 24th, Pennsylvania Majority Leader Mike Shirky tried to downplay his meeting with Trump after it became public that Giuliani called in. Initially, GOP lawmakers had said the meeting related to coronavirus funding. November 24th, Republicans filed a lawsuit with the Wisconsin Supreme Court to stop certification on December 1st, seeking to exclude tens of thousands of ballots and to give GOP state lawmakers power to pick the electors. November 24th, Trump held a 64-second impromptu press conference where he stepped in front of reporters to take credit for the Dow Jones Industrial Average topping 30,000, then left without taking any questions. 64 seconds. Uh, Leader McConnell still had not publicly acknowledged Biden as the president-elect or called to congratulate him despite the transition starting and the two having served in the Senate together for 24 years. Also November 24th, the Trump campaign and Pennsylvania Senate Republicans announced a plan for an event in Gettysburg on Wednesday, held at a hotel organized by the state GOP to expose irregularities in the 2020 election. Uh, Fox News uh, also paid a seven-figure law settlement to the family of Seth Rich, just as Hannity and other high-profile Fox News figures were set to be deposed under an oath about a series of broadcasts in May 2017. Also November 24th, BuzzFeed reported ICE deported 33 immigrant children who came to the U.S. without a parent back to Guatemala last week, despite a federal judge issuing a preliminary injunction the same day blocking it. November 25th, Raffenberger wrote in an op-ed, quote, My family voted for Trump. He threw us under the bus anyway saying he, quote, fought to uphold the integrity of the elections in Georgia. The Georgia Senate runoff is on January 5th. Also, November 25th, Trump released Trump planned planned appearance along with Giuliani in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, was canceled last minute after campaign advisor Boris Epstein tested positive, the second from last Thursday's news conference to test positive. Giuliani attended a Pennsylvania Senate committee public hearing where lying that the Trump campaign had been denied the opportunity almost uniformly to raise concerns about voter fraud, despite all the court cases. Giuliani claimed fraud took place in Michigan, Wisconsin, Nevada, Arizona, and Georgia. Lawmakers also heard from those who made claims of election fraud in affidavits. 
Trump phoned in, falsely claiming that he won Pennsylvania, which was certified for Biden the day before, saying, quote, we have to turn the election over, insisting without evidence, quote, there are many, many cases of fraud. Trump also lied, saying, quote, the election was rigged and we can't let that happen. We can't let that happen for our country. And lied that, quote, we won Pennsylvania by a lot and we won all those swing states by a lot. After Trump, visit, Trump invited Pennsylvania lawmakers to the White House for a meeting in the West Wing, the legislature's Republican leaders did not attend the meeting. The GOP has a majority in both chambers. November 25th, Bloomberg reported pro-Trump donor Fred Eshelman sued to get his $2.5 million donations to True the Vote to fight election fraud back, saying the group dropped its legal action and refused to give updates. November 25th, shortly after a Pennsylvania judge ordered a halt to further steps on to certify the election, it was not clear if the order would hold uh, the certification of state and local contests. Governor Wolf appealed. So this was happening Wednesday after Giuliani and the, some of the GOP lawmakers, although not their leaders, held that conference in Gettysburg that Trump phoned into. Uh, then a Pennsylvania judge ordered the halt of any further steps to certify, which, again, frightened people. Uh, it was a low-level judge, but nonetheless, these were all the things that were going on day in, day out. This is after the vote has been certified. November 25th, ProPublica reported the Trump regime is racing to push through rule changes that will weaken the environment and worker protection in the final days, in some cases bypassing the public feedback in their rush. November 25th, Trump pardoned Michael Flynn, who had pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI and cooperated in the Mueller probe before reversing. Shortly before, Trump Flynn had tweeted an American flag and the words, Jeremiah 119. Flynn, who was represented by Powell, was the second Trump associate entangled in the Mueller probe to be pardoned after Roger Stone and was one of six Trump associates to be convicted or charged with crimes. Later Wednesday, Paul filed a typo-ridden election lawsuit in Michigan and Georgia, alleging massive election fraud, problems linked to voting machines, mail-in ballots, and linked to Hugo Chavez. Yahoo News reported John Paul Mac Isaac, the computer repairman who claimed he had Hunter Biden's laptop data to, he had given that to Giuliani, quietly closed shop and left town. November 25th, the Supreme Court ruled 5-4 to four in an unsigned opinion to relieve religious organization from New York Governor's Andrew Cuomo's coronavirus restrictions. Amy Coney Barrett joined four conservative justices. Then on the 26th, Politico reported Trump's conspiracy theories about the presidential election had some of his supporters considering boycotting the January 5th runoff in Georgia, deepening concerns with GOP leadership. AP reported the Trump campaign efforts to continue to file frivolous lawsuits is not to change the outcome, but to continue to sow doubt and feed conspiracy theories to keep his base loyal. And of course, they're collecting a lot of money while doing it. Also on Thanksgiving, speaking to reporters after he addressed troops virtually, Trump said of Biden, quote, I think it's not right. He's trying to pick a cabinet, basically claiming there was a, quote, massive fraud. Asked if he would concede, Trump said, quote, it's going to be a very hard thing to concede, again citing non-existent massive fraud, 
When pressed, Trump said, quote, certainly I will, uh, when asked if he would step down if the Electoral College votes for Biden. Trump also questioned the legitimacy of the Georgia Senate runoff, saying, quote, I'm very worried about that, adding, quote, you have a fraudulent system. And he also called Raffsenberger the, quote, enemy of the people. On Friday, Belarus state media reported that President Alexander Lushenko said he would step down after the new constitution is adopted. That's a major step. We've been talking about all the huge protests that have been happening in that country. So Putin was not having a good month. Uh, Also November 27th, the U.S. Third Circuit Court rejected the Trump campaign's appeal of a Pennsylvania lawsuit in another scathing rebuke, saying, quote, voters, not lawyers, choose the president, and, quote, free fair elections are the lifeblood of our democracy. The three Republicans appointed judges, one who was appointed by Trump, added, quote, Charges of unfairness are serious, but calling an election unfair does not make it so. Charges require specific allegations and then proof we have neither. Shortly after, Trump falsely tweeted, quote, Biden can only enter the White House as president if he can prove that his ridiculous 80,000 votes were not fraudulently or illegally obtained. So seeming to back away from what he said the day before. Uh, Trump also said, quote, When you see what happened in Detroit, Atlanta, Philadelphia, and Milwaukee. Again, those are all cities where there's a large vote from black people. Uh, Massive fraud. He's got a big unsolvable problem. Twitter labeled that tweet. Business Insider reported Trump continued to actively solicit donations, with 75% going to pay off campaign debt, including paying family members, and to Trump's planned 2024 run. November 27th, 27, Pennsylvania GOP lawmakers introduced a resolution disputing the state's election results and accusing the Secretary of State of certifying results prematurely despite ongoing litigation. Also the 27th, Trump's U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service gutted a longstanding federal protection for the nation's birds publishing the proposed rollback in the Federal Register over objections of federal officials. The Washington Post reported the Trump regime raced to enact a Trump pre-election executive order, stripping 88% of federal civil servants of job protection, leaving them open to being fired ahead of Biden taking office. Also that day, Wisconsin completed the Trump campaign's requested recount in Milwaukee County, resulting in Biden netting an additional 132 votes. The campaign paid $3 million for a partial recount in two counties. November 27th, a group of Republicans called Wisconsin Voter Alliance filed a petition asking the state Supreme Court to block certification of election results and allow the GOP-led legislature to decide instead. November 27th, the DOJ quietly amended its execution protocols, no longer requiring death sentences to be carried out by lethal injections, clearing the way to use methods like firing squads and poison gas. Lovely. Uh, Also on the 27th, the U.S. surpassed 13 million coronavirus cases, taking six days to go from 12 to 13 million, and 4 million cases in November, more than 4 million cases. More than 264,000 had died as deaths reached 2,000 plus some days. 
November 27th, Iran's top nuclear scientist was assassinated. Iranian officials blamed Israel. Days before, Israeli PM Benjamin Netanyahu traveled to Saudi Arabia and met with Prince MBS M. Pompeo. November 28th, Trump continued tweeting falsehoods, saying, quote, the Wisconsin We Count is not about finding mistakes in the count. It is about finding people who have voted illegally, lying that, quote, we have found many illegal votes. He also lied, tweeting, quote, we have found massive proof in the Pennsylvania case, and quote, the number of ballots that our campaign is challenging is far larger than the 81,000 vote margin. Twitter labeled them as false tweets. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court later that day unanimously tossed out Representative Kelly's lawsuit to throw out mail-in ballots, saying it is not our role to lend legitimacy to such transparent and ultimately and untimely efforts to subvert the will of Pennsylvania voters. November 28th, the Daily Beast reported Trump is considering doing an event around his planned 2024 presidential run during Biden's inauguration ceremony. Some top allies are trying to stay in his good graces in case he runs again. On the 29th, the Washington Post reported on Trump's failed quest to overturn the election. One close advisor likened Trump's belligerent refusal to admit he lost to, quote, Mad King George muttering, I won, I won, I won. Despite aides knowing Trump had lost, they indulged Trump and encouraged him to keep fighting with legal appeals, leading to an unprecedented election aftermath and endangered American democracy. In the days since the election, as the coronavirus surged, Trump golfed each weekend and focused on fighting the election results while abdicating the responsibility of the job he was trying to keep. November 29th, also, Trump did a 45-minute interview with Fox News host Maria Bartiromo on Sunday Morning Futures, his first since the election. Trump spoke for most of the interview with Bartiromo nodding along. He continued falsely claiming, quote, we won, and repeated his false claim, quote, there's no way Joe Biden got 80 million votes. There's no way Joe Biden beat Barack Obama in the black communities of various cities. Trump lied, quote, we had glitches where they moved thousands of votes from my account to Biden's account. And on mail-in voting lied, there were, quote, massive dumps and, quote, dead people were applying to get a ballot. Trump also lied, also said, my mind will not change in six months, lying, quote, there was tremendous cheating here, saying he's going to, quote, use 125% of my energy to contest results and lying that, quote, Biden did not get 80 million votes. Trump complained the Supreme Court had not taken up his cases, saying, quote, can you imagine Donald Trump, president of the United States, files a case, and I probably can't get a case, even with, we have tremendous proof. Trump continued to attack Kemp and Raffsenberger for not supporting his baseless fraud in Georgia saying of Kemp, quote, he has done absolutely nothing. I'm ashamed that I endorsed him. Trump also made outlandish claims, including, quote, I came up with vaccines that people didn't think we'd have for five years, and, quote, we're doing better than the rest of the world. Also on the 29th, this is Sunday, GOP Senate leader Blunt reversed again, refusing to recognize Biden as president-elect on State of the Union, saying, quote, the president-elect will be the president-elect when the electors vote him in. Senator Rand Paul basically baselessly tweeted, quote, 
Trump margin of defeat in four states occurred in four data dumps between 1.34 and 6.31 a.m. Statistical anomaly, fraud. This false information was labeled by Twitter. So there you have two Republican senators, uh, one tweeting misinformation, one not recognizing Trump, and this is recognizing Biden, November 29th. Uh, we're heading on four weeks since the election. Uh, later on Sunday, Wisconsin completed its recount of two counties' 800,000 ballots with Biden netting 87 votes. The Trump campaign vowed to appeal to the Supreme Court, but had yet to do so. Also on Sunday, AP reported Pennsylvania GOP State Senator Doug Mastria abruptly left, left a White House meeting with Trump after testing positive hours after he attended the Gettysburg meeting for four-plus hours without a mask. Also that Sunday, former CISA head Krebs told 60 Minutes a key to securing the election was paper ballots. 95% of the ballots cast in the 2020 election had a paper record, citing Georgia's recount as an example that it worked. Krebs, who is a lifelong Republican, called Giuliani's RNC news conference an effort to, quote, undermine confidence in the election to confuse people to scare people, adding the election workers are getting death threats over their work. November 30th, the last day, that's today, Monday, Trump attacked Krebs, tweeting, quote, why won't the, quote, excuse me, attacked Kemp. (laughs) He attacks them both, but this time around Kemp, tweeting, quote, why won't the hapless governor in Georgia use his emergency power to overrule Rosenberger, lying that it was a gold mine of fraud? Twitter labeled the tweet. Rosenberger said at a news conference he would investigate any credible claims and cited people were, quote, exploiting the emotions of many Trump supporters with fantastic claims, half-truths, and misinformation. Also on Monday, conservative National Review editorial board wrote about, quote, Trump's disgraceful endgame, noting Trump's, quote, flawed and dishonest assertions like this pollute the public discourse and mislead good people. November 30th, political reported FCC chair, FEC chair, FCC chair, Ajit Pai said he would step down on January 20th in a deference to the incoming administration, even though Trump continued to refuse to concede. Politico reported the Trump regime will leave it up to states to decide how to distribute scarce vaccines with no federal guidance other than an agreement with states that healthcare workers should be first in line. Also, Monday, Kushner traveled to Saudi Arabia and Qatar amid escalating tensions over the assassination of the Iranian nuclear scientist to hold talks. Saudi officials said they are awaiting Biden to further talks with Israel. November 30th, Biden got his first presidential daily briefing more than three weeks after the election had been decided. Trump approved the briefing last Tuesday. Later, the Arizona GOP lawmakers and Trump campaign lawyers, including Giuliani, held a meeting at the Hyatt Regency in Phoenix, Arizona, after state leaders said they could not use the state capitol. Hundreds protested outside. Later, Arizona certified election results affirming the Biden won. Trump supporters protested outside the Arizona Republic building in Phoenix after the results were certified. Trump baselessly, baselessly claimed rampant fraud. 
Wisconsin certified its election results, the last of the six battleground states, including Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Nevada, and Arizona, where Trump lawyers had questioned results. Shortly after, Trump slammed GOP Governor Doug Ducey, who had said, quote, we do elections well here in Arizona, the system is strong, tweeting, quote, why is he rushing to put a Democrat in office? Republicans will long remember. Also on the 30th, Trump campaign lawyer Joe DiGenova told Newsmax that Krebs should be executed, saying, quote, that guy is a class A moron. He should be drawn and quartered, taken out at dawn and shot. November 30th, the DOJ released a copy of Flynn's pardon for, quote, any and all possible offenses, which legal experts said may be the broadest pardon issued since Nixon. And finally, Dr. Scott Atlas, the radiologist who had pushed for herd immunity and clashed with other White House Coronavirus Task Force members, resigned. So we leave November without a concession uh, and head into December. We'll have more to say. Stay tuned and stay informed as life gets back to normal. 51 days until inauguration. Thank you for listening in.